Hey guys, this is Table Talks with the Tars, an inside look at the everyday conversations we have at our table. I'm MJ. I'm, I'm Ash. Hi, you tried. <laughs> this is just an ongoing conversation based on the last two that we've just released on that book yep. that has changed our lives. But this is how the avoider and vacillators collide. Collide. Yeah, it's how, it's how they come together. All right, it's how we come together and how we fall apart. It's a good time. You always call it a roller coaster ride, so buckle up. Also, if you've been a longtime listener and enjoy our stuff, it mean a lot to us if you left us a review or gave us five stars on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing and want to hear something specific we should be talking about, reach out to us. Yes. The email to use is Ashley at honest underscore dot com. So we'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, we appreciate your support. This is the number one podcast wow. regarding relationships okay. hosted by the Tares oh in the world. <laughs> Hope you enjoy. We have, I guess we're continuing our conversation on the different love styles as outlined from the book, How We Love. Yeah, the single greatest book that has changed the trajectory of our relationship you say that jokingly but i really think there's a lot of truth to that <laughs> so far it has right yeah, yeah it could I be think. something later on yeah but i think for sure to date it has been the most influential book yeah. in our relationship so we've talked about my style the vacillator we've talked about your style the avoider and i think in this episode we're going to talk about how those two styles collide yeah, how they come together <laughs> in perfect harmony, <laughs> side by side on the piano. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's been something that has felt like we are unlocking, or like a veil has been revealed. Yeah. I think one of the things that's important to love is that to me these ideas and concepts are still pretty new, and like when we talked about it with our friends last week when I was explaining it, I fall into the trap of. And I think you can fall into this trap with any type of personality, relationship, assessment type thing is that you get defined as this. And so you're limited to this. And so like one aspect of the avoider is, oh, you don't miss your family when you're gone. Yeah. Like that's one of the, the descriptors. Yeah. And I ended up saying like, oh yeah, that's, that's how I am. Uh-huh. But without really thinking about whether or not that's true. And so yeah. even in this, it's important to remember that even though this is what is being said about this type of love style, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to conform with it or this is this is how you are defined right. to its nth degree. Yeah, I think that's the danger of any assessment. Right. Um, sometimes people can really latch on to them as this is the end, I'll be all epitome of this person. Did we talk about that? I think we, I think you briefly mentioned it. And I'm really glad you did because um, people who see themselves as self-aware, maybe they are, can really take it to a dangerous place where now I'm projecting mm -hmm. why I would or wouldn't ask someone something because they are this Myers-Briggs or this Enneagram mm -hmm. or this, you know, oh, I'm not going to ask them to do that because they right. struggle with blah, 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 you know? And it's just like, now you are limiting that person to what you perceive are their weaknesses and you are also not acknowledging that that person may have matured yep. and grown past whatever that assessment result says right 
And so, yeah, I really also agree with that. And I think that in general, we need to understand that people are a lot more nuanced (laughs) than that. Like whatever results it said, you know, as the vacillator read that, I'm like, some of those things are really hard to read. Some of those things don't apply to me, you know, some of them I very much resonate with. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's important to really take time to think through that and not just label yourself or fall into the label. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So how do you want to get into like, how has the book transformed our relationship? I just really want to paint a picture for, you know, we've been, we've spent a good amount of time talking about this book. Yeah. How has it changed us? Right. We talk it up so highly, like we talk so right, highly about it. Right, yeah. Yeah. I think um, one thing for me that's been so helpful, even in a spiritual sense, I would say, is I think when we entered into marriage, there's this, this these phrases thrown around like, we both are bringing sin to the table. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's not true. <laughs> But that's a very general statement to make. At what point does, well, we have a lot of sin to bring to the table become here are specific things that I need to acknowledge and repent of. How do I know what I need to be specifically working on when it's always this generic, oh yeah, you put two people together and there's sin and we're, you know, I know I bring sinful things to, you know, I'm a, I'm a sinful person. We say these phrases, but what this book helped me see was very specifically, this is this some of the specific ways that my sinfulness comes out and how I love other people. Mm-hmm. Or how my fears, yeah. the things I'm very, like to the core fearful of, rob me of the ability to love other people in the way that I would hope to, want to, you know? And so this gave me very specific things to pinpoint I I have a trust problem. I have a preoccupation problem. Yeah. I have sometimes a devaluing problem mm-hmm. when I feel threatened. I have a, I want to, you hurt me, so I'm going to push you away, but I still expect you to come chase me problem. I have these very specific problems, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this book helped me to very specifically see this is the way. Mm-hmm. Like this is some of the sinfulness that I'm bringing right. to the table when we make that generic statement. <laughs> right. So that number one, I can know wh- what in the world I'm supposed to be repenting of mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just like, oh, forget my sin, God, all of it, you know? Yeah. But then also I know now what I need to be working on mm-hmm. in the sense of, okay, I acknowledge this, like, God, I need you to help me to find my identity in you because I'm placing a massive weight on other people to give me worth and value because I'm deeply afraid that I'm going to be rejected because I'm not worthy of love, you know? So I think for me, that's been a huge thing is just putting some of the specifics to these generic phrases that people make going into marriage or in premarital counseling or what have you. And it's kind of like, okay, well, what do we do with that? Right. It's really helpful, I think. I think. Yeah. So it moves the conversation from like, why is there conflict in relationship to how that conflict is created? Yeah. Specifically for 
what that means for a vacillator versus what that means for an avoider. Yeah. And so for us, that's been helpful to just go beyond the, like you said, the generic, oh, we're both sinful to how is it that, like, how does it break down for you? Yeah. How does it break down for me? Yeah. And it's weird because this is the most common relational link, right? Or how do they describe it? This is the most common relationship. I saw that they were doing a webinar, they being the authors of this book. Yeah. Um, and on our specific style Mm -hmm. or pairing. So the vacillator avoider pair. And it said that it's the number one style that ends up in the council that they see in the counseling room. Yeah. And so the book does outline how our styles Mm -hmm. initially provide the other person with exactly what might have some of been lacking in our upbringing. So we attract each other and initially, you know, our styles, it makes sense that our styles would be attracted to each other. Mm -hmm. And how's that again? Like, because the, because you, the avoider provides a stability and a security that the vacillator never got. Yeah. That, you know, maybe wasn't there. And then the vacillator provides, you know, has this intense desire for connection and, you know, these strong emotions that were just maybe lacking in the avoider's upbringing. Mm, and so right. the vacillator helps the avoider feel things they've maybe never been able to feel or express before. Yeah. The avoider provides a sense of like calm and steady and stability mm-hmm. that lends itself to trusting, you know, trusting a connection with someone that might have been lacking before. And so I was also, I was always curious as to why that was the most one common one that ended up in the workshops and whether or not it's just that it's because it's one, the most common relationship type Uh or is it the most common relationship type that runs into conflict that requires counseling? Yeah. Right. Or yeah. Well, I think if you have two avoiders together, they probably would never end up in a counseling room. Right. Unless it's like absolutely falling apart. Like last was, last resort you yeah know? an avoider and a pleaser still like the avoider is going to avoid things the pleaser is just going to try to please so there's still like a sense of everything's great yeah you know we're just gonna if i'm the pleaser like i'm just gonna please you if you're the avoider i'm just gonna avoid our problems you know i'll just and so there's that right so they may never actually acknowledge a problem or a problem might never come to the surface to be able to mm-hmm. go to the counseling room. The vacillator is going to be like, you, blah, 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 you did this, you did that, you know. Right. The vacillator bring the problems to the table. Right. <laughs> so I can see how. Right. Yeah. They would end up in the counseling room. So you had here putting the onus on both parties for dysfunction and health of the relationship. And that really just speaks to when you're in conflict I tend to think that the fault is purely on you mm-hmm. or you think of it as like I'm purely at fault or mm-hmm. we spend most of the conflict pointing out that, well, okay, maybe I did that to you, but you did this to me. Right. Or maybe you did that to me, but I did this to you Yeah. and vice versa. It almost feels like basically conversations we're having with our three-year-old right now <laughs> yeah. that it's like Evie. Don't interrupt me while I'm talking to your mom. 
well, dad, I was talking to you. Right. It's like, I get that, but you need to not talk while I'm talking to your mom. Right. Well, I was talking to you. I was like, okay, I can talk to you after I'm talking, done talking to your mom. No, I'm done talking to you, dad. I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> How are you arguing with me the way you are? Yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, it's helpful to with reading the book recognizing what is that like how what is the portion that you own yeah that you're bringing to the table and how is it that it's you know why is it that way from like why does the vacillator bring the things that he brings to the table or why is the avoider bring the things that he brings to the table as well and so It just helps identify those things. Yeah. And I think it also helped me understand your motives more or why you would do things because, you know, we would fall into this cycle and we'll go into this where, you know, something that's very characteristic of a vacillator is when I'm hurt, I push you away, but I expect you and then I run away and I expect you to come chase me. And maybe that's not like physically I'm running away. There have been times where I've literally like driven off in the car or like, you know, we had to yeah. set some rules early on in our relationship where I right. wouldn't do that, like running away physically. Yeah. But still emotionally, I'll distance myself. I'll detach, you know? Yeah. And expect you to come in and come closer and affirm and... You know, and when that never happened yeah. early on in our marriage, like the first year, we would, I, you know, I would try to, to do those things because when you grow up in a home or a family or you have friends in, who are other vacillators, mm-hmm. th- all of those people are so afraid of abandonment. So if one of them runs away, of course, everybody goes and chases that person. Right. So that was so normal. That was a, such a normal way of connecting for me. That when that didn't, like I would run, I would do that game and like run away, but like n- nobody was behind me, like yeah. and after me. It really made me question your love for me. Yeah. And so reading this book helped me really rewrite some of the narrative I wrote early on in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it helped to me. see it in its rightful lens, you know. It helped me also understand what was actually happening because I would only see the surface level reaction. Yeah. Or the thing you actually say. Yeah. And a get away from me type of message that you send when you yeah. go away. Yeah. When in fact, That's a, you're exactly actually... the opposite of what yeah, I want. Yeah. That was like yeah, so yeah. confusing yeah. for me. Yeah. And having the book spell out like what's actually going through your mind to get you to a place where you're like fr- so frustrated that you leave with the desire to actually like restore yeah or come back together it was just like so it was felt like such a mixed message and it helped me understand what was going on by reading this book and so yeah so speaking of the classic fight or the they call it the core pattern which really Mm -hmm. just means how do we devolve in our relationship when one is a vacillator and one is an avoider and this basically has been how we fought yeah for years mm-hmm. in terms of just how how it, plays it breaks out. down yeah. how it yep. plays out yep. and it's almost like a playbook of how our relationship degrades when there's when there's dissonance yeah for like little things but or even like or or especially huge conflicts mm-hmm. that we just could not get on the same page and so this has been really bizarre for me to just read through it and just be like, oh my gosh, somebody is has a camera in our house yep. and is writing yep. out 
in a book what is happening in our relationship yeah so should we just go through the yeah the big points yeah i think this this descriptor is really good core patterns tend to manifest as predictable cyclical behavior patterns it's for us this is the vacillator plus the avoider so first of all the vacillator's tension builds i love that it starts with me so basically what this is saying is that i start every fight there's tension <laughs> the vacillator feels anxiety, the tension the avoider yeah. does not yeah, right yeah, yeah. And so yeah idealization which leads to disappointment feeling abandoned when others differ separate yeah arrivals slash departures or waiting for the spouse to engage causes tension inside the vacillator so there's something cooking inside yeah yeah and these are the classic things when you would you know we've talked about how you're very introverted so when you would need space from me that would cause a lot of anxiety in me of like why don't you want to be around me you know and i just didn't i'm an extrovert so I was already bringing a different lens to the table. So these things would just create anxiety yeah. of like, and I'd start that narrative, that preoccupation in my head of like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm just old news now. Maybe he's getting disinterested <laughs> in me. Maybe, yeah. you know, I would start this narrative right. that causes anxiety within myself. And so though we move on to step two, the vacillator vents. Yeah, great. So you take the first two steps in this conflict, babe. All right. Disappointment causes the vacillator to vent or protest. And so, oh, I love this. The vacillator assumes that the partner's motives are in, to intentionally hurt them. Yeah. And I hate reading that. It's like yeah. really hard to admit that. But immediately it goes to you're, you're against me and yeah. you're out to get me. Right. Yeah. Most vacillators are not aware their anger releases anxiety and rarely share more vulnerable feelings. And so that's step two that there's like a voicing of either through action or through saying something. Yeah. And I think maybe some people who would resonate with my style might say like, I just need to tell you how I feel. Yeah. And that is very alleviating right. for, for me. Yeah. It's like, I got to get it out. Right. And so, you or know, act it out. When it, <laughs> like charades? No, like, as in like, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> when it talks Three about words. anger though, it's hard because Anger can look like a lot of different things. Anger can look like irritability or snappiness or little zinging phrases that you like shoot out at someone. Or I mean, it can look like rage too, where you're like yelling and screaming and, you know, slamming doors and things like that. But it doesn't always look like that, you know? So I just see anger a lot when it talks about vacillating. It's hard to like admit that. But I have to remind myself anger can manifest in a lot of different ways. So... There's idealization that leads to disappointment. And then second step is the vacillator vents. Yeah. And I just have to get this off my chest to let you know that I'm really angry about something. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, instead of being able to voice, like I'm hurt or I'm afraid, yeah. I'm nervous. It's, yeah. it's like something like, I'm afraid you're checking out that girl over there. She's yeah. looking real cute, you know? Right. Or instead of being able to like voice the vulnerable parts, I voice it in an accusatory ways. If right. you've already done it. Cause right. I've got that narrative in my head. Right. So. And so finally the avoider plays a role in step three and the avoider is stunned. <laughs> and I literally, that like, that's just happened. Literally. It's just like, <laughs> what in the world just happened? Yeah. And this is so true. Like they react defensively, minimize the issue. They believe the vacillator is too emotional. And to an avoider, anybody who's anything is too emotional. (laughs) If you're happy or sad or crying or angry, like you're just too emotional. And 
has expectations that are unreasonable, what it says here, having no emotional connection or comfort growing up. This is literally what I just said. The voider is dismissive of the vacillator's distress. Man, and this is where like all of a sudden my blood would boil because it's like I brought something to you that I'm like very yeah. anxious about and I've not delivered it. I've like totally botched the delivery. It's been super accusatory probably. Right. Like especially early on. I feel, I'd feel i like to think I've grown and matured yeah, in this. But early on it was very accusatory, I'm but this sure. Is, this is already where you can see how it's breaking down for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And then like it's met with all of my anxiety or like, I, I just need to be reassured that like you still want me, you know, right. you still love me is met with like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> but like laying this out helps the other person see this is actually what's yeah. being processed yeah. right now. Yeah. And yeah. that like your venting is due to a disappointment that you felt but like my being stunned is actually due to the fact that I, I just never seen these types of emotions in my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but, but what we're experiencing in the moment yeah. is exactly the opposite of what we're actually desiring. Yeah. And so step three alone, again, this is like so crazy to me that that's literally play by play. Like the textbook for exactly. our conflicts. Exactly. Yeah. And so, we're just in step three here. Now, step four, vacillator is hurt. hurt. Like you said, literally the vacillator feels dismissed, invisible, or misunderstood. I want you to come close, but you're not. Yeah. Instead, you're telling me what exactly the heck is happening. Exactly opposite of what I needed to hear in this moment. Yeah. Yep. So you escalate the situation. So, I mean, that's classic, right? Yeah. Oh, you, you think I'm being too emotional? Let me step it up a notch. <laughs> you want emotion? I'll give you emotion. So that's... Four vacillators hurt because of my response. And then five the avoiders overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> and and so this is where I think bits and pieces of this reading this we've unpacked through the years of having conflict. And that in step five, the avoider is overwhelmed by the emotional display and sees them as unreasonable. And then the avoider will often feel a fight or flight response. And I feel that. Yeah. And so the in my mind several times like i don't want to fight my wife yeah yep in anger yep and so the next most reasonable reaction in my mind yeah is flight right is to not respond to it or to detach yep and of course that's exactly not what you need in well the to moment. someone who like that what's driving all of this is a fear of abandonment yeah that's like literally right the trigger of the thing that I'm like most afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is literally step six, vacillator triggered. The vacillator feels abandoned. Yeah. Intensifies their feelings. I love this strong language. Strong language used. might be used. It's yeah. like, I never swear, but until this moment, then it's just like, I'm a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> It's like strong language may or may not may have or been may, used. Hypothetically might right. be used. <laughs> they may threaten to leave. Yeah. I mean, it's for us, it's gotten to the, that we've established rules yes. that like, because it's gotten to a point early on in our marriage where yeah. like we were leaving and driving in anger <laughs> and that's actually dangerous to right. our lives. Right. And so we were like, let's not do that. Yeah. And then of course you like you and I, one of the things that we've set as a rule is like, we're not going to joke about divorce because that's what this thing yeah. says is we threaten yep. to leave or divorce. Yep. Yep. And that's just like, okay, we can, we can have 
it can be to the nth degree in terms of how bad this is. Yeah. We will not leave the house. Like, don't take car keys as a house rule. And, like, don't joke about this or threaten about divorce. Yep. Because that's just not something that, for us, we're even going to um, consider, entertain, or even joke about or threaten with. Yep. And so, internally, they begin to devalue their partner. And over time, I feel contempt and disgust for them. So tell me a little bit about that. Wow, babe. <laughs> no, I, I would, I would call it resentment. Yeah. Of maybe just affirming that narrative of you really don't have my best interests at heart. Yeah. You really aren't for me. You know. So I think that's like maybe some of the lies that I would start to entertain in my mind that start to change. You know what I think about you. And that affects the next instance of conflict, you know, because I'm already starting from a position of like, oh, remember that other time my husband was against me? You yeah. Know? So it really leads to this like disillusioned place in our relationship. And so, yeah. Hmm. And so seven, the avoider is triggered and reacts by shutting down or retreating. Classic. Right, so like you're faced with that fight or flight response. I feel like the avoider just has the same response the whole time. It's just like more retreat, yeah, more, more shutting, shutting down. down. <laughs> like more. They make themselves busy with tasks. Yeah, you're right. Like it's like there's a small narrow band of acceptable emotions, and anything outside of that, which is literally the middle of this conflict, yeah, is not within the comfort level of the avoider. Yeah, yeah. And so they make themselves busy with tasks, or simply leave the presence of the vacillator. And then step eight, the vacillator reflects. Yeah. So after the, it, it talks about how the, after the anxiety has been relieved through anger, mm-hmm. um, there might be some like pouting or sulking, which I don't feel like I do. Mm-mm. But privately, I do resonate with this. They'll review the event, assign motives and intentions. Eventually, they may feel shame over their anger and words. I would say I resonate with that. Mm-hmm. There are instances afterward where I'm like, why would I say that like that? Mm-hmm. Or that's not what I meant. You know, I realized that I spoke like before I was able to really think about how I wanted to communicate something, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess, you know, that probably leads to that feeling of being unworthy. Mm-hmm. Like my actions make me to be unworthy of this love that I'm seeking from this person. Well, how could this person love me after I just, right. you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Swore so. at them like a sailor. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so uh, after that, the avoider in step nine waits it out, simply waits for the vacillator to get over it, and there is no real resolution. When the vacillator reengages, the family complies, acting like nothing happened, even though they are suffering and upset due to the angry outburst. Oof. And rinse and repeat. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think just recognizing that that push and pull that I tend towards in relationships mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm getting to the point where I'm about to be rejected or betrayed. Yeah. Um that's been so helpful for me. Yeah. I just feel like it, you know, it's been 3 or 4 years I feel like since we've read this book. Has it really been that long mm-hmm. already? Yeah. And it's been so helpful for me to be able to work through that I've done I've been able to do a lot of like inner work you know to identify these like core fears that are driving this this way of operating that's just not 
how I want to be mm-hmm. with anybody, let mm-hmm. alone the people that I love and care about, you know, mm-hmm. like people I'm in like close relationship with, like n- that's not remotely how I want to operate, you know? Yeah. I think for me, knowing how this is playing out for us, and I think we should unpack kind of where we want to head in yeah. our next conversation. But I think for me, knowing the cycle has been helpful in not feeling like I don't understand what's happening. Right. And it's not even that now that we've read this book three or four years ago, I can't believe it's been that long. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's taken me that long to apply (laughs) the principles. But it's not all of a sudden that like now we don't have conflict anymore. Right. No, we very much still run into the same exact issues. Yeah. But the difference for me now is that I see... I have more, man, this might sound so rudimentary to you, but I have compassion mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. in the sense that I understand where you're coming from when you respond that way. Whereas before that, I view, I as an avoider, view you through the lens of an avoider yeah. and that you're experiencing emotions through the perspective of an avoider. Yeah. And so your like required solution is for you to not feel that way. Right. And that is so, it's it's a gross misinterpretation of how you actually feel about, like how you actually are feeling based on how you're responding. Yeah. And so it's been helpful for me to just see you through the way you view things mm-hmm. rather than just being like, babe, you just need to chill out. <laughs> like, that doesn't work yeah. for me to say that to you. Yeah. And so to understand that there is something at the core of you that is either disappointed yeah. or there's a dissonance or there's a disconnect yeah. that is really longing for that kind of connection. And for me to just respond by just saying, hey, your emotions are too much is <laughs> yeah. exactly the wrong thing for right. You know, having that insight has been helpful in understanding why we run into the exact same type of conflict yeah, or, or relational cycle, as they call it, over and over and over. Yeah, and it's been so, what's wild to me is that how the Lord did bring us together and pair us together and we have these like totally opposite ways of looking for, seeking connection and love and yet your style, like, it's, I'm just say this, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's so opposite of what my style is actually looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking for someone who desires that connection in the same way. You know, I'm looking for someone when I push will come, come back in and chase me and affirm me and like all these things, you know, and speak to that, like those areas of just, abandonment and worthlessness you know that i have been cultivated from Mm -hmm. honestly like some lies you know Mm -hmm. about my upbringing not even just my upbringing but like lies that were like sewn into my heart you know along Mm -hmm. the way and it's been so healing for me to have someone not (laughs) like chase after me you know and be like actually you really hurt me when you pushed me (laughs) away Mm -hmm. like it's not okay to do that you know right and 
and confront those things in a way that quote unquote feels triggering, you know, like yeah. this described has actually brought about the redemption and the healing from those spaces that I've needed in my life in order to have healthy connections with people and to not be so distrusting, you know, and I still struggle with that in our relationship love. Like to this day, I still struggle with like distrusting your heart after seven years of proving over and over and over and over and over again that you are for me. And so I'm just for me, even if this book has, you know, no impact on any other relationship, I feel like it's been had a tremendous impact on ours. Yep. And I'm so thankful that I'm just really thankful for the way that you do love me in and how you have been willing to stay in those spaces with me to, you know, still after all the times I've like tried, not even tried unintentionally pushed you away being so fearful that at the end of that was like a rejection you know you're just still there you know still telling me you know you love me and i um it's really been just an incredible gift from the lord of just someone who has loved me in a way that has been so steady and so loyal you know not always experienced that so it's a really beautiful thing and i'm learning to be more trusting of it you're stuck with me babe <laughs> I love you. well hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of table talks with the tares we'd love to hear from you and if there's something you'd specifically like for us to talk about visit honors underscore dot com slash table talks to let us know and if this episode was helpful to you be sure to subscribe and to also share it with a friend we really appreciate your support all music is from the OG MJ Tare. Join us next time for another conversation at our table.